You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife. His name is James Hardigan. And I'm excited, Joey, because we have different genres for each episode of the podcast, and this is one of my favorites. Yes, it's our post-post-Barcelona show. <laughs> it's our Balls Deep in W Coop show. No. Nah, man, that's not why you guys are here. You're tuning in for Poker Movie Mondays. On a Wednesday. And just when you thought we'd run out of movies with a tenuous poker connection, we found another one. We found a movie that has probably the least tenuous poker connection of any of the movies that we have done. It's true. And yet it's a movie that neither of us had seen. Yeah, I can't believe I hadn't seen it yet. We are, of course, talking about The Grand. Duh. At first I wrote The Grand and I was like, that'd be funny if it was about someone's grandma. Um, You know why I haven't seen it, James? Because I was waiting for this special moment. This week on the show, our guest this week, Andrew Hill Newman, was not only the dealer in the grand, he was also the movie's technical poker advisor. Oh. Yeah, so lots and lots of reviews for me and James. Questions from us for Andrew Hill Newman coming up later in the show. Very interesting guy. Created, uh, Co-created Celebrity Poker Showdown with Josh Molina. He's a magician. And he is also hilarious. He is part of the home game I play in occasionally at Josh's house. Really looking forward to speaking with him. Super fan versus Staves, of course, that is still a thing. This week, the subject? The Grand. The Grand. Exactly. (laughs) Whenever we do a Poker Movie Monday on a Wednesday, we try and pin the Super Fan Contest to our review. So we've got Ben Martin from Guildford in the UK who is going to be on the show answering questions about this film, which just to be clear, in the UK is called Loser. More on that later. More on that later. Right now, what is on our minds? James, I did my first ever Stapes branded comedy show. Oh, is this Fear and Lolling in Las Vegas? Yes, that's the one. You must have seen me blasting it like crazy on social media. I know I was, you are uh, very good at pre-promoting your gigs, which you absolutely should do to maximize attendance. You went to town on this one. I, I really the blimp. did. I love the blimp gag, by the way. Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I was like running out. The thing about promotion for me is that I'm like, if I can at least make it mildly entertaining, then it's a little bit more palpable. It's a little more tolerable. Um and it was a big deal because it was our first one and you know the owner has kind of taken a chance on doing this and I really wanted to sell it out. We did in fact uh, sell it out or nearly sell it out. I think there's 80 seats. I think we sold like 78 or 79 of the 80 seats. Um, me and a fellow named Ben Ludlow, who I met through Gary Gates, uh, took on this, uh, this thing and we decided we were going to start putting on some comedians that we knew who maybe weren't famous yet, but we knew were great comedians. I will say, uh, honest assessment of the show, I would it was not a failure, so I'm going to credit it as a success. It had some ups and downs. Uh, we did have one walkout. Uh, wow. <laughs> I won't say during which comedian it was. I mean, I would say if it was during me, I would be very honest about that. 
It was not during me. One of the comedians got a message after the show from that walkout's husband saying, you have no business doing comedy. Don't ever take the stage again. Um, there was a little bit of, uh, hey, it's 2019. People get offended during comedy sometimes. Wow. So is this going to be a regular gig? Is this a monthly thing you're doing in it's, Vegas? Yeah, it's a monthly thing in Vegas. Now, so I'm, I'm a guessing little bit- the challenge is to keep up the momentum, right? Because first one, everyone you know is going to turn out. But are they going to exactly. come back month after month? Exactly. So the first one is really nerve wracking because like it's the first one. But the second one is even more nerve wracking because did I blow my load, James, on getting every person that I know and supports us in Vegas to come out? I will say this. Lots of poker people came out to support. We had a guy from Denmark who is a fan of us in this show was there. A guy named Kevin from Ireland. Did he happen to be in Vegas that weekend? He didn't make the flight from Denmark to McCarran Airport just to see you perform. I, I don't think so, especially because he didn't stay to say hello afterward. I would assume that had he booked it, he would have stayed. But no, uh, a guy named, I think, Kevin McDonald, whose name you may recognize. I'm not sure if he was a super fan or not, but he, he's a name you may recognize. Irish poker fan. Um, so I think... The one good thing we'll have going for us is that there are often people from Europe in Vegas on the weekend. So we have that. And then poker people came out to support uh, Gary Gates and his fiance were there. Marley Cordero and Matt Berkey were there. Uh, Sean McCormick, the guy, uh, you may know him as Poker Boss. He runs uh, the poker room over at Aria. Uh, all came out. I believe one or two super fans were there. Andrew Peeper was there. Guys whose names we recognize. Yeah. Really supportive people. So uh, I just want to say thanks to all those folks for coming out. It was a very fun, great night. We got some things we got to tweak, some things we got to fix. But I'm back at it again today. Uh, going to start promoting again soon for next month's show. I found out, James, this week. Um, I don't know. Look, this is mostly a brag. But also, I was tickled by this. I have some interesting fans out there. Two fans of maybe ours. I don't know. I only know um, that they're poker fans and that they specifically follow me on Twitter now. I just happened to click on presidential candidate Andrew Yang's Twitter profile. This is the guy who Daniel Negrano is a huge fan of. I know that there are several other people in the poker world who've leapt on the, the Yang train or the Yang wagon, whatever we're calling it. They're calling uh, it Yang Gang. The Yang Gang, of course. You know, alliteration works. Um, wow. If you could get, via his fandom, a U.S. presidential candidate on the show, providing we kept it relatively non-political, I think that would right. be, be a pretty good get. So Joe Ingram right now is talking about getting on his podcast. And I'm like, man, well, he follows me on Twitter. I don't know what this means. Someone said Andrew Yang is a is a poker fan. Now, I'll say this. He follows 5,500 people on Twitter. That is a lot of people to follow on Twitter. Wow. But, not, but not an insane number. Like Andrew Yang has like hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers. So ratio-wise, it's not insane. Anyway... It's just a weird feeling yeah. to click on it. Like, how do you think I could possibly have a vice presidency in my future, James? That's all I'm saying. I don't, I'm not, I'm not like t- nothing crazy. Just maybe I could be vice president. I mean, I look at the state of U.S. politics now and <laughs> I'm thinking, A, possibly, and B, it would be a marked improvement. So 
So then, like, later the same day, I'm on Twitter, which is probably what I spend most of my day doing. And one of my favorite comedians, his name is Michael Ian Black. Um, I happen to click, I happen to see a tweet from him, and I'm like, that profile picture looks like it's from Live at the Bike. And I, and I, so I text Josh Molina, and I'm like, hey, Josh, I've been meaning to ask you for a while. Why is Michael, is Michael Ian Black's Twitter profile picture from Live at the Bike? He goes, I have no idea. Let me ask him now. And then Josh sends me the screenshot of his conversation with Michael Ian Black. And like one of my all time biggest comedy influences, like sick brag, you know, Stapes. <laughs> and so I'm just absolutely tickled by this. That's it. That's all my bragging for the week. It's okay. been a fun, good week for me. Okay. Jo- Joe's tenuous social media connections. Hey, talking of Twitter, right? Yeah. Last week, when we announced our WCOOP free roll details, I invited people to try and get the movie reference. It was called The World Is Yours. That was the name of the free roll. And the password was Now The Leg. You didn't get it. And it seems no one got it. You're all fucking useless because not one people tweeted with the hashtag poker in the ears. And I thought it was really easy. It's Scarface. The world is yours. It's the message he sees on the blimp. And he then builds that awful globe in his gaudy home in Miami. And the line, Now The Leg. The guy with the chainsaw. One of the most famous scenes in the film. Ugh. But anyway, that was the reference. I feel like eventually we will look at that version of Scarface the way we look at the original version of Scarface, like a complete and utter joke. Like, just like chew it. I heard a great Scarface story, actually. So there is a um, there's a documentary out right now. I think it just came out about Spielberg. Yeah. And apparently Spielberg and De Palma and George Lucas were all like real close friends in the eighties. And apparently Spielberg was on set for that scene, the chainsaw scene and like directed at least one or more scenes of Scarface. Cause he was around and, and Brian De Palma was like, you want to, you want to take a shot at directing this? And Spielberg's like, yeah, why not? Cool. I didn't know that. Whatever the most recent Spielberg documentary is. All right, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this week's show. It's Poker Movie Monday on a Wednesday time. The Grand 2007. And before we get into our review, Joe, just a little bit of background to this film, because I remember seeing a trailer for the grand around the time that lucky you was in production and that was the movie everyone was talking about they'd done a big media launch at the world series of poker in summer 2006 uh, it was the director of la confidential it was meant to be brilliant and we've done a podcast about lucky you it was not brilliant but that was the film that everyone was talking about and in the background there was this other poker movie and i saw the trailer for it and it had a great cast it was a comedy and i thought oh this is going to be fun and then i heard nothing afterwards and the reason for that is that when the grand eventually opened in the u.s in 2008 a year later it was a box office bomb it was a relatively cheap production it cost 5.4 million dollars to make it took hundred and fifteen thousand dollars at the u.s box office and as such it did not get an international release it went straight to video in the uk and to avoid negative connotations with its box office performance in the US, the title was changed from The Grand to Loser. But we are going to refer to it by its original title. Um, 
I have to say, Joe, I'm not overly surprised it wasn't a huge success. It's a bit of a mess of a movie. Parts right. of it are fun, but overall, not great. So my uh, my my background on this is I, I realize now why I didn't end up seeing this movie when it was a thing, and it's because I would I had already been in the poker industry at this point. I had been around uh, poker, especially in Las Vegas, was where I got my start around 2006. So. I 2005, so I'd been in the poker industry for a few years. And I remember just being so insanely jealous that so many people I admired, so many people I kind of knew in the poker industry were involved in this thing. And just kind of being like, oh, well, fuck that, man. And not ever kind of seeing it when it came out. I know uh, other than let's take quality issues aside, let's take the end result of the movie aside. The reason why I also think that this movie probably never really became a thing is because it is so inside baseball. Um, even if like, I think to really appreciate this movie, you have to know a lot about poker. Yeah. I think sort of the archetypes and the characters and the cameos, it is the classic, mistake that I think we've all made uh, working in the poker industry is that poker will never be as interesting to the world at large as it is to us. Also, the timing was off. Let's be honest. It probably went into production at the peak of the boom. And by the time it eventually came out, this was post-UIGEA, uh, which hit the US poker market hard. Interest in the game was starting to wane and it, 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 it missed the boat. It missed the boat, and I think it also uh, misfired a little bit where it it's uh, inside poker, but also not enough inside to be actually incredibly accurate. And it's a very much a Hollywood uh, interpretation. These guys who I play with in a lot of these home games, this is their mentality about poker. And some of them have evolved, and some of them have sort of grown with the game, but like this very surface basic level understanding of poker and what happens there. Um, it just doesn't quite nail it in the poker. And some of the poker actually is, um, is anyway, we'll get to that in a second. How my overall thoughts of the movie, James, I can tell you're not a fan. Um, I really love the scenes that had nothing to do with poker or driving the story forward. I thought that, like Mike McKeon was hilarious. I thought that the, uh, the commentators were actually quite funny. Um, the interaction between Phil Gordon, I think the guy's name was Werby or something like that. were very funny. I liked the setting up of the characters. I felt like the scenes that were driving the story forward and, or like really trying to, make us care about the characters didn't work as much. And I found those to be pretty boring, like the interaction between family uh, and the stuff that was sort of like meant to be plot. I, 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 I almost hated. I was just kind of, I wasn't, I was just kind of bored. Yeah. Uh, but overall, as someone who really loves most of the actors in this, even the ones you've never heard of uh, and someone who is kind of into the whole Hollywood poker scene. I, I enjoyed it overall. Anyone who didn't enjoy it, I couldn't argue with it. I'd be like, yeah, I get that. That all makes sense. I'm not saying there weren't parts of it I enjoyed. And look, when I started watching this, I texted you 15 minutes in. This film gets off to an appalling start. The first 15 minutes is 
shockingly constructed, so badly paced, so unfunny, not a single joke lands. And I was like, I, I actually really liked the first 15 minutes. Really? I, did, I was having a hard wow. time figuring out what, what you didn't like about the first the 15 minutes. The whole setup of Woody Harrelson's character. And I do find generally this level of improvisation so self-indulgent that I have yeah. a natural kind of like revulsion to it. I agree with you. And I agree that sometimes the characters are trying so hard to be funny that they say things that aren't really very like that. If it was, if you didn't know as improvised, if it was a written movie, you'd be like, this is kind of a lame joke. Like him being married 74 times. I felt was like, man, that number is like just kind of ridiculous. Why don't you make it like 11 times? And then it's funny. And also, yeah, the I, whole, I hear you. The whole background to Woody Harrelson's character, the whole kind of drink and drug addiction, I just didn't find entertaining or amusing at all. I thought all of the character intros were really cliched. And the point was, when I texted you, I'm like, if I didn't have to watch this movie, if we hadn't agreed yeah. to review it for this podcast, I would have quit at that point, which would have saved me one hour, 35 minutes of my life. However, I would have then missed the good stuff because literally the moment I then restarted the film, Michael McKean appears. Finally, I'm smiling. Dennis Farina appears. Werner Herzog appears. And suddenly I think, now this film is finding its rhythm. There are some really good lines, some really good moments, and these characters I like. And I think one of my favorite moments in the entire movie, when Dennis Farina, kind of playing the old-school Vegas gambler character, is bemoaning online. And the reason why he hates online poker, and I quote, is because when some guy does you on the river, you can't take him out to the parking lot and break his fucking knees. And... It's moments like that which the poker in-jokes really hit. Um, that said, even though it improved, I still thought the success-to-failure ratio was kind of in the boundaries of like one to two. For every three jokes, maybe only one out of three um, was necessarily that funny. And some moments along the way were really painful. I mean, should we talk about Jason Alexander's cameo? Jason Alexander's cameo, I... I couldn't tell whether I loved it or I hated it. Honestly, like it was at this moment, uh, my girlfriend had come home and, uh, I was like, look, I'm in the middle of watching this movie. I really don't think I need to restart it for you. You can just sort of pick up what's happening. It's an improvised poker movie. And she came in at the Jason Alexander scene and she giggled, which made me giggle. Like I was kind of happy that she was enjoying it. But again, I, I can't argue with anyone that doesn't, like any particular part of this there's no there's like no hill i would die on of like being like oh no that scene was brilliant like the yeah i don't know you you got you have a point there i kind of enjoyed that scene but yeah i, I can't argue with you yeah there are some really great moments um with poker players actually the richard kind Dor brunson phil helmuth hand is brilliant and I agree. And, and the joke where he's like, it's been great playing with you, Tex. And he's like, it's Doyle. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking hilarious. Like, that scene is actually genuinely really funny. And they get the poker right there, too. Yes. Yeah, some of the times the poker is not right. And I look forward to speaking to the film's technical advisor uh, about that. Um, unfortunately, there is a all too prophetic joke from Woody Harrelson's character about the fact that he sold the rights to the Grand, which is this big poker event, which his hotel runs, even though it's held at the hotel next door for reasons that aren't apparent. Um, and he says that he sold the rights for next to nothing because uh, 
he believes that in the future people are going to watch bingo instead of poker. I'm meant to laugh at that because <laughs> po- poker's huge. And like fast forward to 2019, and I'm pretty sure that there's more bingo on TV than there is poker. Uh, by the way, I would like to point out that I don't dislike this movie because of its shameless product placement for a poker site that is not <laughs> poker stars. One thing I would disagree with you about, by the way, is I found all of the scenes with the commentators borderline unwatchable, mainly because I thought that Phil Gordon just looked so uncomfortable and looked like he just did not know how to react to his co-host, who I imagine is a comedian who's improvising, and I just thought this just this, it just didn't work for me. None of those scenes worked for me. I did like those scenes, but I think I thought his discomfort was really good acting, but maybe I was wrong. Maybe he just was like genuinely uncomfortable. Can we talk about um can we talk about the Werner Herzog cheating scene? Well, let's talk about Werner Herzog first of all. I had no yeah. idea he was going to be in this. I, I thought, didn't either. I thought that Werner Herzog's first acting role was when he popped up as the villain in Jack Reacher, which I always said was inspired casting. And here he is playing the German, a man who checks into the hotel with all of these animals because he has to kill something every day. His character was woefully underused. He was my favorite character in this entire film. But he makes an early exit because he's caught cheating with the ace of diamonds up his sleeve, which is caught on a security camera. And it's like... Oh, Christ alive, can we please have just one poker movie, whether it's a serious film or a comedy, where there isn't some bloody cheating of some kind? Well, look, but I, that was not even my big, that would have been my biggest issue with this scene. But were you really paying attention during that scene? No. So, so um, Woody Harrelson turns over King Queen of Diamonds on a four flush paired board. Yes. There's two deuces on board. Phil Gordon says the only card he loses to is the Ace of Diamonds. Is Ace of Diamonds, which is wrong. Correct. There's lots of hands he loses to. Yes. That aren't no, the Ace I of remember Diamonds. that, but I'm kind of like, I know where this is going, and I get the fact and that you then have to. Werner Herzog turns over Ace King of Diamonds. I thought it was the King of Hearts. I thought it was a, I saw it was a Red King. And then, I... and then someone references that he had Ace Jack. Yes, and then someone says he is Ace Jack, and so the whole that whole scene is really kind of fucked. Yeah, um, and I wonder if obviously I give poker movies a little bit of leeway because I think obviously we are going to notice things that other people won't. But that was like too many things all in the same hand, and I also wondered. I guess they just gave Phil Gordon a script and didn't have him actually um, there know were... what the hand was because yeah. there's no way he would have missed a paired board. There were numerous occasions when he was calling the action before it happened as well, where they'd clearly like slid the, the, the voiceover of the commentators in the wrong direction. Um, and there was a, a hand, I believe, where Richard Kind... Uh, flops a, a raw flush draw, and Phil Gordon's commentary is the flop is no help to either player. I don't blame Phil Gordon for that. That's clearly right. in the script. Um, so the, the the kind of core at the, at the heart of this film is the final table of the grand. This winner takes all ten million dollar poker tournament. And my understanding is that the filmmakers decided. And I'm interested to talk to Andrew about whether this was the first thing they shot and then they worked backwards. But they just played out this game with these six actors in character and they just played this poker game. And however the cards fell would dictate 
the narrative of the movie. Correct. And so, and Andy will speak to this more in a little bit, but yeah, they had six different endings ready. Um, now I imagine some of the aspects of the endings were the same because, you know, these characters are still, they are who they are. Um, but yeah, so they had all the, all the, uh, endings ready to go. And they had, uh, basically they had something like 30 or 40 decks stacked that they decided, Hey, do we want to use these stacked decks? So at least we'll know, um, that certain drama fireworks is going to happen, or do we just want to play it straight? They ended up playing it straight. I think that James, as you know, that poker sometimes is unpredictable. And when it's unpredictable, it can be unpredictably boring. It can be unpredictably exciting. And of all the commentary we've done, have we seen some absolutely ludicrous, crazy, insane hands? Yes, but that's over the course of thousands and thousands and thousands yeah. of hands watched. And I think that it's a little optimistic, especially, and again, I don't think Hollywood knows this. Hollywood doesn't know it's not good at poker. And so I think that when, when Hollywood decides we're going to play this straight, I think they don't realize that uh, Hollywood playing it straight the way Hollywood plays poker isn't going to be all that exciting a lot of the time. Um, and I also, I was a little bit confused and I wasn't sure if they were cheating it um, or we, they were just explaining it badly. There were many times someone was all in and then lost the hand but wasn't eliminated from the tournament. I actually rewound and it's like where that where someone else has got someone else covered and so they've got the graphics both say all in but only one player is at risk and it was actually a double up. It was really hard to follow the action. I can't believe I'm saying this that I was actually trying to work out what was going on but it was genuinely hard um, to figure out what was happening in certain hands. What did you th what did you think of the various endings? Um, unfortunately for me the the Cheryl Hines uh, brother father dynamic was I found that to be the least interesting I of almost, the backstories. I almost kind of times twoed my way through the dinner scene uh, where the, they had dinner the the, the 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 brother and sister her husband and the father. And I loved Gabe Kaplan being in it. I was so happy to see him in it and I thought there was moments of him being hilarious. But like I said, when they were trying to drive that storyline forward, uh, I wasn't such a huge fan of it. So I was like probably more interested in some of the other storylines winning. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was very disappointed that, as I said, there was very little Herzog in the movie and also very little Dennis Farina. Who, and, and I really like him as an actor and I really loved his character in it. And you can see some of the outtakes during the end credits. It's one of those movies where they play, let's have a look at what you could have won. Some of the scenes that you could have had. Uh, that ended up on the cutting room floor, and I know there are more. You know with a movie like this that they probably shot hours and hours and hours, yeah. and very little of it actually made in the movie, that made it into the movie, and I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that wasn't very good that ended up on the cutting room floor, but equally there's a few good deleted scenes that pop up during the end credits. I actually thought Woody Harrelson was very good and very believable in that character. Um, is it David Cross who played the brother? Yes. I thought he was excellent as well. Some of the other cast members, eh, maybe not so good, didn't quite carry it off in the same way. Um, I really liked the Andy Andrews character. I thought he was hilarious. I didn't I didn't love the device of him having been faking it the whole time. I actually I saw it coming a mile away, obviously, when they were talking about pocket aces yeah. online. Um 
But while I was still able to think of him as being this absolutely dopey guy who didn't know what he was doing, that felt more real to me than someone who was pretending to not know what they were doing and was catching all these inside straights or backdoor flushes. Um, and the fact that he has this dopey smile on his face through the whole movie, I actually really like that. I would have liked to see maybe that character take it down. Probably was the one I was pulling for the most. And I think maybe the filmmakers too might have, you know, I think that would have been a really good ending as well. Um, who else is at the, yeah. So Dennis Farina, obviously he goes out first, so you don't really have like a ton of control over, um, how much of him you see at the final table. So it's Dennis, Cheryl, Richard, David, Chris Parnell, Woody. Oh, and Chris Parnell. Yeah, man. I feel like Chris Parnell character was like, I didn't buy it. I'm sorry. And I'm a big fan of Chris Parnell did not buy this performance at all. Yeah. I feel like he, he was close. He was really close to get like to getting the internet player. And I just think maybe we didn't we didn't know enough about them at the time, or maybe the the folks who were doing it didn't know enough about them at the time. It's really hard to do a character that is actually as smart as online poker players are because the concepts and things as we know that they talk about go far beyond percentages and who's the favorite to win in a particular spot. So yeah, um, I did like some of the aspects of his character, like uh, his home life um, and living with his mom and stuff I thought was pretty funny. But yeah, I don't know. I th I think that of the people who won, I think you can also see that. I think Cheryl was genuinely happy to have won. <laughs> to like, won a I fake it, poker game playing a character. Yeah, I think that it still meant something to the people who were playing to have won this this movie. So that was interesting to see too. Well, let's talk to the man who dealt every hand at that final table because he is an actor and a producer and was the technical advisor on the grand. Please welcome to Poker in the Ears, Andrew Hill Newman. Hello, Andrew. Woohoo! Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Andrew, I, we have lots to talk about as far as the grand is concerned, but I do want to get some of your background first. Someone told me, I didn't Google this, someone told me that you were in Little Shop of Horrors back in the day. I was indeed. I played Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors something just over a thousand times in the mid-1980s. Uh, the role was originated uh, in the original production in New York by a wonderful actor named Lee Wilkoff. And uh, I auditioned to be his replacement when I was a young actor in New York. And, uh, and then I, I was up for the national tour and I didn't get it, and it broke my heart, but someone else got it. Then Lee went and did L.A. They gave me the New York company, and I did it for about two and a half years. How do you not – okay, so wait. So New York came after not getting the national tour. Yeah, that's because Lee was still – so it was successful in New York, and then they were okay. going to bust out the tour. And so anyway, yes, I, uh, it was one of my favorite jobs ever in my whole life. And then just sort of take us through like the chronology of from New York to L.A. You're a magician. You're a, a, a singer and a dancer, too, I assume. 
Ah, but well, let's say I'm a singer who moves fairly well. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't call it actual dancing, but I I did make a living in the musical theater for a while. Uh, sure, I uh, I went to school to be an actor. Uh, after college, uh, I disappointed my dad by telling him I wanted to be an actor, and he said, "Well, go get a master's degree, uh, so you could be a teacher if you don't make it." Uh, so I went and got a master's degree in acting at Brandeis University. Moved to New York, acting in the musical theater, had been a magician as a teenager, uh, and so it turns out my first Broadway show, because Little Shop of Horrors was technically in an off-Broadway theater, my first Broadway show uh, was a show called Merlin, starring Doug Henning, who was a very big TV magician back in the 1970s, uh, and I was an understudy to him and to Nathan Lane in the cast of that musical. Uh, so I made a living in the musical theater in New York for a while, then I started doing a couple of non-musical plays in New York, moved to L.A. in 1990, started doing guest shots as an actor on TV, started not liking that acting quite as much as the acting I was doing in the theater, even though it was more remunerative, uh, then found my way into uh, my first writer's room. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Uh, and that's when I started writing. And uh, the first job I got writing for Nickelodeon back in something like 1997 or 8, uh, I, I I thought, oh, this will be a little summer job that I won't tell anybody about. But then I fell in love with it. So what I've been doing for the past 20 years, primarily, is writing sitcoms and sketch comedy shows for Nickelodeon. And it's been a blast. And along the way, of course, you partnered with Josh Molina to bring Celebrity Poker Showdown to our screens and uh, Josh gave us the the potted history of that show when we spoke to him just before the end of last year um, fr from your perspective uh, how, how much how much fun was it having your own poker show on TV Josh who <laughs> <laughs> the, that guy who ruined the West Wing uh, yes, Josh and I uh, actually first met growing up as teenagers. I don't know if he gave you that part of the story, but then he showed back up in the Hank's poker game. And poker really did change my life in Los Angeles, even before Celebrity Poker Showdown. But yes, I one of the things I missed the most when I moved from New York to L.A. was my Monday night game that I had in New York with a bunch of other actors Moved to L.A., bounced around between a few different home games looking for my new peeps, as it were, uh, and found them in that game uh, where Josh came back and where we thunk up Celebrity Poker Showdown, partially because during the course of the few, first few years in Hank's game, a lot of those people started getting famous and, and they weren't necessarily as famous when we started playing together. And we were like, hey, we could point this all towards uh, towards some good charities and have a whole lot of fun. Josh and I, he probably told you we'd heard about the the uh, cameras in the table on that British show, Late Night Poker. And yeah. we got to see a little bit of it. And we were like, why isn't this on our TV? And we went around and pitched it to everybody and said, hey, this is going to be the next big thing. And then no one believed us and still, until Steve Lipscomb came along and bought his own time on the Travel Channel. Yeah. So you basically got to have a poker TV show and you were involved in a poker movie. It's the movie that Joe and I have just been discussing, The Grand, or as it's known here in the UK, 
loser. Um, have you had a chance to revisit the film recently, Andrew? I'm interested in how you what you think about it looking back now. Uh, I I have revisited it recently, preparing for this very interview. Ah, excellent. And, um, uh, I have to say that it made me laugh a whole bunch. Uh, the, as a comedy, I think it's uh, it's really, really funny. There are a couple of poker things that I wish I could change in retrospect. Um, but I also think that for poker players, especially, you know, if you think of where the curve of poker was at that time and and uh, just how much it was blowing up and how all those cameos, some of which you know, don't even have dialogue. You go, oh, look, there's Antonio. I don't know. It's kind of a fun uh, uh, count the the Easter bunnies in the picture sort of movie, too, as well as, I think, a fun parody of many of the personalities in the game. Yeah, there were tons and tons of moments in this movie, especially earlier on, towards the uh, towards the end when we start getting more focused on the story and what's happening poker-wise. Uh, I didn't laugh quite as much, but earlier on, as the characters are being introduced, there were lots of laugh-out-loud moments for me. Oh my um, god, that Michael McKean, Woody Harrelson scene, the first one, yes. all of them. I just can't watch it without laughing. Also, Judy Greer with her ribbon thing. <laughs> Really? I forgot really? about that scene. It's, it's, it's funny you say that, Andrew, because I, I, we were just talking about the fact that I found it a bit of a slow start and I wasn't really into it. And it was the moment that Michael McKean appeared on screen and that whole scene with the hard hats and him constantly referencing Renee, where I just thought, now I'm enjoying this. And I, uh, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I obviously... Uh, I'm a little too close to the movie to know when exactly I'd get sucked in, but I sure know that's when I started laughing, laughing. Um, what was it like to work on? Because you're talking about a movie which had a very scant script. Most of it's improvised by the cast. Was it a case that you started with the poker game, which was played out for real and then worked backwards? Or was it filmed kind of in order? Well, first of all, Zach's a really smart guy. Um, I had played cards with him a couple times. He'd been a, a kind of a sub player up in uh, in the home game that I played in regularly. So I kind of knew him. And then he had asked to come watch some of our uh, celebrity poker showdown tapings because he had this idea for this poker thing he wanted to do. And from the beginning, I know that Zach wanted it to lead to a game where characters would be playing actors would be playing in character for real uh part of that experiment um but he also very specifically knew which characters he wanted to have in the film so i think he built it both ends towards the middle i know he wanted it to end like that and i think he also wanted to start uh with the establishment of these wacky characters and of course the Werner Herzog character was always in his head too, because Zach and Werner are old friends and, and he's kind of a mentor to Zach and uh, they'd done another fully improvised film together. Uh, so that was going to be threaded through it too. But how much stuff was shot that we didn't see? Because we get a glimpse during the end credits of some of the deleted scenes. I mean, this strikes me as a movie where there are hours and hours. And I think, Joe, did you say that there were like alternative stuff as well? Because I guess you've got different endings depending on who won. Yes, there are, as with any improvised film, look, as with any 
scripted film. There's always a, a heck of a lot more shot than we see. Uh, but in this, yes, there were tons of things that were more. Uh, I could fetch as an actor and say, oh, my dealer character had a whole subplot where he had a big crush on Laney Schwartzman and really hated Larry Schwartzman. Um, but I think uh, Zach did a great job of focusing the story. But yes, not only was there extra stuff that just meandered in the middle, but he did have to account for uh, what if uh, uh, Chris Parnell's character wins the final tournament? What if Dennis Farina wins? Because he was building, obviously, the central storyline with Woody Harrelson and trying to save the rabbit's foot, but he had to account for what would happen if all those other people won. Me, personally, as a writer, producer, show business guy, I might have wanted to control the ending of the game. Um, and as the coordinator, technical advisor guy who came up with a document with almost 40 stacked decks to control that, I thought, well, that would be the best way to do it since we can. Um, but Zach really liked the experiment of it and, uh, and it just played out. And I think... Uh, the the Laney ending is good because honestly, between you, me, and everyone listening to this podcast, I think the best actor slash poker player, uh, not not as the best actor, that's not a competition, but the most talented poker player of the actors at the final table, I think won the game. Yeah, that's what I was saying, Cheryl. As far as the, well, I know of the people who are in that final game, I've seen her playing the most poker. It would be my guess that she's the most experienced poker player of the folks who are at that table. Can you talk a little bit about uh, those stacked decks? I know you didn't use them, but were they stacked specifically just to have any old cooler, or did you know exactly what seat was going to win if if the hand played out like we thought it would, uh, the way they were stacked? I, I'm very proud of the stacks in that I had to do it uh, not knowing who was going to be sitting where. So I had to do them all by position. So I've got six-handed scenarios, five-handed scenarios, four-handed scenarios on down to heads up. Uh, oh, this one's going to hurt the small blind and help the button. This one's going to help the button and hurt the small blind. This one's going to help under the gun. And you can kind of plan it out, especially with, not that they were totally inexperienced players, but... Uh, if you give someone a nice big pocket pair and someone else big slick and you flop it right, you know that all the money's going to get in. Uh, so I just set up all these situational things so that any time without the actors knowing, Zach could have swapped the decks in um, and uh, and controlled it if he wanted to, but uh, he chose not to, and uh, and we played it out. And though Dennis Farina really, I think he had a dinner reservation. Um, <laughs> he, that hand that knocks him out very early. Uh, oh, spoiler alert! Um, uh, he seemed to have somewhere to go, uh, but uh, it was a, a thrill just to get to sit at a table with him. I met so many people. I really liked uh, and idolized during that shoot it was fun i mean for me dennis farina and Werner herzog are my two favorite characters in the movie and it's a shame that herzog doesn't make it to the final table and dennis <laughs> farina is the first man out i mean zach was taking a huge risk though here because you know joe and i were just discussing the fact that sometimes poker nothing happens it can be really dull and it could be you're just grinding this thing out you're not guaranteed to have hands that are going to be great for a movie 
exactly. And that's why. And and by the way, having produced a celebrity poker show for a while and, and those shows were two hours long. Uh, yeah, the good hands help. But what really made that entertaining is what's going on between the hands. And I thought the actors also did a really good job of a really hard thing, which is playing cards in character, wanting to win in character while keeping up improvs about all this character stuff that's been set up in the past four weeks of shooting. Now, I will say it was made slightly easier by the fact that we shot that poker game last, um, but it also meant that Zach had to be prepared for all the other outcomes, so he had scenes set and already shot that are like, oh, Lainey wanted and she saved the rabbit's foot or, you know, whichever character. So, cause he had some alternate endings in case it went other ways. Crazy. So was Zach, um, offset sort of reminding these people what their various relationships were and what their sort of backstory was? Because I was also really impressed with, um, you know, the fact that they stayed in character, not only stayed in character, but sort of stayed true to their motivations. You know, you've got the brother and sister there and you've got the, you know, is he reminding them of that uh, while he's is there, is there direction happening during the poker game? I guess is my question. Uh, yes, I mean there was throughout the whole movie, and since the poker game was last, um, everybody did you know have a pretty good sense of what their relationships were to everybody else at the table. Uh, but there was a document also that introduced those final six actors to what the final table was going to be like. And here, you know, we, Zach and I set their starting chip stacks to try and um, slanted towards the outcomes that he might have wanted and also be more representative of the uh, we didn't even know how much of the preceding tournament we were going to see in the final cut of the movie. But, um, for instance, they played, I think it was 20 or 25 minute rounds. Uh, but we were pretending they were our rounds. So, you know, it's a limited number of hands. And at one point it was going to be a shootout like the end of any tournament. But, um, but it it was, you know, we tried to make it so that we'd end up with about three or four hours of final tournament to choose from. I have to say, the crazier day, the crazier day was that big day when Doyle Bronson and Jason Alexander and Hank in that earlier qualifying round. Yeah. It, and and the whole tournament action was different. That was a day when there, there was a lot more reminding of the relationships of people because we just have more. Uh, fake players <laughs> i have to say considering that you didn't rig any hands at the final table it was so lucky that you had that dramatic final hand where Cheryl yeah. Hines wins it with an ace on the river yes yeah it really was uh the kind of uh uh, uh poker god smiling yeah. on us it, it, it was fun i um I just I the the two hands that still bug me a little and make me say oh we could have made the characters look better is when uh, Richard Kind gets knocked out and when David Cross got knocked out. Uh, I just I, I don't know they they it still worked out fine and I think the little scene with David Cross and uh, Gabe Kaplan at the craft service table 
where he makes him a boat and then he rejects all the fruit. It's just, I, I don't know. I find it heartbreakingly funny. When when uh, Gabe Kaplan says this fruit looks old, I definitely laughed out loud. Um, <laughs> like that was just such a like, and it also the fruit did look old. Yeah, and by so, the way, that was our actual craft service table, not a prop <laughs> table that was set up to look like a crappy craft service table. That was our actual crappy craft service table. There is one I, hand that we have to ask about, Andrew, which was not at the final table, which is the cheating hand. Were you mm -hmm. involved in any capacity with that hand? Uh, I was involved in making some suggestions to the director on how the German might be eliminated. And there was indeed a lot of talk about how believable a, a, a character being put back into a tournament uh, after eh. so yes, I was involved. What's the question? <laughs> um, we were a bit confused because I, I I didn't realize this. I think Joe, you spotted it that um, he actually has the Ace King of Diamonds, which means there are two King of Diamonds at the table because Woody Harrelson has King Queen of Diamonds. Ah, well, it obviously like a lot of the poker in it is, is real, and you know it happens the way real poker does. That's the one hand that stood out to me. I was like, oh, there's some things here. Like uh, Phil Gordon sort of calls out the outs wrong. He says the only thing that can beat, uh, what's his name there? Woody Harrelson is, uh, you know, is the ace of diamonds and it's a paired board. So there's like, you know, it's obviously not quite it. And I'll say this. I've gotten the outs wrong many times before as a commentator. <laughs> And so I was just wondering if there was something that happened after the fact where, you know, maybe from a story perspective, what's actually out there just gets overruled because, well, this is how we want the story to go. Uh, yes, the, the, that's exactly what ended up happening. And and it was it was a subject of much discussion and it was going to be how the German was going to go out and. It was a, a director's dealer's choice there, and uh, I think that the main point he wanted to get across was the story point more than the poker point. Yeah, um, and having said that, like I always say this, is that, look, when you're watching a medical drama and you're a doctor, you're going to notice every little oh, thing yeah. that doesn't quite make <laughs> sense. Us people working in the poker industry, this is probably something that is not noticed by anyone. Uh, other than those of us who are watching from the poker's perspective. So I don't think it's a, you know, it's a, a, a huge crime in any way. I just, as, as having access to you, um, you know, we get to ask that question. I want to ask about, um, does you, does your background as a magician being trained in sleight of hand, does that, uh, play into that have been a factor? If you were going to use those stack decks, would you have needed to employ those skills? Uh, I don't think so, though I did think about it because, you know, I, as a, I'm a big fan of The Sting. It is, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, I, I was like, ooh, am I going to get to do that deck switch? Um, and uh, I, I never would have had to merely because we were stopping and going enough. And since I played the dealer, and I was the poker technical advisor that they would come to, or I'd be tossing some jargon to Chris Parnell's character who needed to be able to talk like real poker stuff. Um, 
uh, it, it, I could have grabbed a deck anywhere. The It would have more just been, uh, ooh, look at two secret people on a movie fooling the actors as opposed to look at this amazing magic trick I'm doing. Uh, but yes, I've always wanted to be able to uh, be Ricky Jay. And uh, will I be? No. Am I that good? No. Do I do a couple of good poker-based card tricks? Yes. Uh, do I want to cheat in poker games? Absolutely not. Do I want to know how to? Yes. I've played I've played poker with Andy enough, James, to tell you he definitely doesn't cheat at poker. Well, yeah, I don't want enough to be cheating. <laughs> I, I just had one last question, Andrew. We referenced the fact that, sadly, the movie kind of came out just after the poker boom and poker kind of sadly was already on the kind of decline in terms of popularity uh, when the movie was finally released. Do any of the cast still play or have they moved on to, to other things now? Uh, I believe, uh, I know Cheryl still plays. I know Richard Kind still plays occasionally and he's very good at it. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see, Chris Parnell, I don't know. Dennis, obviously, sadly, no. Uh, and Woody, I, I don't know how much he actually played. Uh, but, um, you know, poker went from being the thing that everybody was talking about at the water cooler to just yeah. now, it's still huge. I mean, post-boom, yes, it got crazy when it was the hula hoop. But I, as an older guy feel like there's a heck of a lot more home games going now than there were pre-Moneymaker. Uh, so I, I think it may have exploded and come down, but I think it's still way bigger than it was 15 years ago. Yeah, this is something that's still in Hollywood. I think is it, it really, I started to sort of um, have some ideas myself about what sorts of poker um, TV shows you could still do and in my research, I found that there are still lots and lots of Hollywood home games. And it's still one of those things. I know that but when Andy referenced Hank's game a couple times before, just in case you guys don't know, he means Hank Azaria. And I know that a lot of connections and friendships and partnerships sort of stem from those games. And those connections and partnerships still exist. And new connections and partnerships are being made at these games all the time from what I find. Do you find that to be true yourself? 100%. Uh, not only uh, was Celebrity Poker Showdown born at that table, um, uh, the whole idea and, the, and Josh and me teaming up to do it, uh, but yes, I personally, uh, my whole career changed from that game and, and connections I met playing poker, and, and I do know many other people for whom... The local game, whatever game they go play in, and I know of a whole bunch of them, that's the new golf course. That's where people of like creative minds uh, meet with each other and realize that they can be adversarial and cooperative at the same time and perhaps have a lot of the same goals. Whether those projects are poker-based or not, I, I know a lot of people that have made the connections both in their social circle and their professional circle at poker games in LA. And I count myself very chief among them. Same. So Mr. Andrew Hill Newman, everyone who comes on the show plays a dumb trivia game. 
uh, on the show that I have come up with. It's a bespoke game for everyone. You're actually going to be one of the only people who hasn't gotten a bespoke game because I gave the same exact game to Josh Molina. It's called Celebrity Poker Trivia Down. <laughs> and it's a series of questions about the show's Celebrity Poker Showdown. Now, Josh went seven for seven. But there is actually an asterisk in his game. One of the questions I gave to him, even though he got correct, because him and James bullied me in the moment and I panicked, even though I knew what the right answer was. So technically, Josh got six correct. Do you want to play? I am sure. I, I know I'm setting up myself up for embarrassment when I choke on the first one. That answer was a definite no, I don't want to play, but I don't have a choice. All right, here we go. Celebrity poker trivia down. Question number one. The winner of the first season of Celebrity Poker Showdown was, of course, Nicole Sullivan. What was the name of the charity for which she won her prize? Now, they're all multiple choice, Andy. I know it. I know it called. I don't need the choice. Go ahead. What's what is it? It's Alley Cat Allies. It is Alley Cat Allies and Josh got it without the choices. However, my choices are very funny, so I'm going to read oh, them anyway. Oh, okay. I'll give you the I'll give you the list jokes here. Was it A Feline Friend Federation, B Alley Cat Allies, C Space for Strays, or D the Itty Bitty City Kitty Committee? <laughs> okay, there we go. Uh, oh God, I wish it was more of C or D. <laughs> you are one for one. Same as Josh. Question number two. This is the one that he got wrong and I gave to him anyway. Which of the following former celebrity poker showdown guests have not competed against each other in the same Emmy category in the same year? Was it Bobby Cannavale and Peter Dinklage, Jason Bateman and Ray Romano, Brad Garrett and Bobby Cannavale, David Cross and Cheryl Hines. I'm going to go with C. That is correct. That's the real correct answer. Brad Garrett and Bobby Calavalli. Okay, you're technically ahead of Josh Molina. Question. Tough question because you put the trick answer in D, which would make you think, oh, they're good. But they were in ensemble awards or something. Yeah, I actually gave him a different answer. I gave him Brad Garrett and James Woods, which is what he picked, but that, and neither one of them could figure out why that was correct, but it, it what they did uh, appear against each other in the same category for uh, like a guest spot in a TV movie, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, question number three. In season three, you had a nearly all arrested development table, save for the actor P- Peter Fascinelli. Which other celebrity poker showdown contestant was one of Peter's acting teachers? Was it A. Cameron Mannheim, B. Jason Alexander, C. Kathy Najimy, or D. Kathy Griffin? It's either A or B, and I'm gonna go with A. He got it! He got it! Cameron Mannheim is correct. Three for three. Question number four. The incredibly prolific actor Stephen Root was on your show in 2004. Since then, how many television shows has he not been on? One of them. <laughs> two of them. Three of them. Okay. Uh, 
real question about Stephen Root. Since his appearance on your show, I'm which of the these fact, shows... by the way, that not only do we get the same questions from the Josh Molina episode, we get the same jokes as well. <laughs> yes, because I like making talented yeah, people Yeah, but I, I love Stephen Root, and that was a really good joke, because I didn't hear the Josh episode. <laughs> exactly. So, real question about Stephen Root. Which of these shows did he not appear on? Was it 24, Justified, Workaholics, South Park? Workaholics. No, no, just no. one wrong answer so far. South Park is the show he has not appeared it's on. Funny, of those and it's four. the two of those four. Those are the two I don't watch a whole lot of, and so I was guessing. All okay, right. so now you have to win out. You need to get five, yeah, six, I and do. seven correct. Otherwise, Josh Molina will hold this over you for eternity. Oh, and don't think he won't, because he will. Question number five. Which one of Alice and Janney's, by the way, South Park is the only show that Steven Root has never been on. Which of Alice and Janney's future co-stars finished 14th in the Cal State Poker Championships in 2016 of a 9,800 player field, making her quite possibly the lastest woman standing of all time? Was it Nicole Sullivan, Andrea Savage, Brittany Snow, or Beth Hall. This is a total guess. Uh, I'm going to say Andrea Savage. Andrea Savage is incorrect. Uh, Beth Hall, believe it or not, uh, finished 14th out of 9,800 total players in 2016. Beth's a big poker fan. Uh, two questions left to go. You are one behind Josh Molina, but we're going to we're going to finish this out anyway. Oh, thanks for the charity. <laughs> Anthony Scott Flippin is the birth name of what former celebrity poker showdown contestant? Is it A, Anthony Anderson, B, Scott Wolf, C, Doug E. Doug or D, Scott Stapp? Well, it's going to be Stapp or Anthony Anderson. And uh, since Stapp was such a nightmare and Anthony Anderson actually said my name on the Jay Leno Tonight Show in reference to poker, I'm going to go with Anthony Anderson. Anthony Anderson, I like why you chose him. You did get it down to the correct final two answers, but Scott Stapp, you were yeah. right in your instinct there. Final question here, then we're going to release you into your game of froth. Okay. And we don't call it that. Okay, but yeah. I know I you know what I it's so funny. So I have a friend that also plays frisbee golf and uh I said, Well what do you what do you call uh I go, it's froth, right? He goes, No, no, it's golf. And I go, Oh, well what's the other kind of golf? He goes, That's ball golf. Yeah, ball golf. Ball golf and disc golf. I think that's fair. <laughs> Final question. Which of the following former celebrity poker showdown guests have never been in a Twitter feud with other former Celebrity Poker Showdown <laughs> guest, James Woods? Is it A, Michael Ian Black, B, Neil Patrick Harris, C, Rosie O'Donnell, D, Amber Tamblin, E, Kathy Griffin, F, David Cross, G, Joy Behar, or H, Jordan Peele confused for Barack Obama, or I, <laughs> Kevin Sorbo? Uh, 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 I liked someone early in your list. I like your list. Uh, by the way, Sorbo was a, uh, a replacement uh, 
who lived nearby, who and I had done an episode of television with him, and so we called him, and he came in last minute. For Were us. you on Hercules? No, I killed Kevin Sorbo just before that. I, we were up in Vancouver shooting an episode of a Stephen Cannell show called Broken Badges, on which I had a recurring thing as a, a cop that was kind of a stalker. And I end up, but that week that we were up there, he got the phone call that he got that and he was going to New Zealand or wherever to start shooting it. Uh, so I, I think I may have been the last person to kill him. Uh, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure of Kevin Sorbo's career, but uh, I was going to go with someone early that sounded non-confrontational. Read me the first couple again. You should definitely focus towards the end of the list. Um, uh, I'll, I'll say Kevin Sorbo. Court Kevin Sorbo is correct. Woo! It's a majority Andrew. score, four out of seven, but it is at least two, some would argue three, behind your co-creator. Yeah, he'll, he'll, right. he'll say three. He's definitely, hey, look, Josh Molina's never killed Kevin Sorbo, I'll tell you that much. Uh, no, he did. He did. I, uh, that was one of my first on-screen kiss. No, my second on-screen kiss was in that Broken Badges, and my first time shooting a, a gun at someone on camera was fun. That's fun. All right. Well, Andrew Hill Newman, thanks a lot. Thanks for getting up. We appreciate you. And uh, despite having some ups and downs in the pokers, I really enjoyed the grand. I thought it was hilarious. I watched your outtakes, by the way, uh, the scenes of yours that got cut. And I don't know if it's because I know you or not. But I found your face, your general demeanor in those scenes to be absolutely hilarious. Um, just a, obviously a very understated performance because you didn't have a ton of lines. But just that sort of dopey look on your face. I wish there had been more of you in the movie. Oh, thank you very much. I, 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 I try to corner the market in dopey. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Hey, it was my pleasure, guys. Have a great day. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, we continue to discuss the Grand because it is the subject of this week's Superfan Quiz. Welcome to Poker in the Ears, Ben Martin. Hi guys, how you doing? What's up, Ben? Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Joe. Good afternoon, as it is over here. <laughs> Whatever. There is no time in poker. Yeah, it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> ben, what's your story? Uh, well, um, I'm a university student um, in Guildford, and um, seeing as I'm a student, I've got a lot of time to play poker outside of that. So uh, <laughs> that's basically that doesn't what make any sense. Aren't you supposed to be like studying all the time, cramming, staying up late? Exactly, supposed to be, yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> but but um, a lot of my time is, especially as it's a summer, spent with uh, playing poker or watching Twitch and stuff like that. So, yeah. Who's your favorite Twitch streamer? Uh, uh, Spraggy Fenton or uh, uh, what's the other guy? Lex. <laughs> yeah, it's got it's got to be Lex. It's got to be Lex. I do kind of mix around. I like going into the directory and um, watching some smaller streamers. But you know, if if Lex is on, I think he holds the attention of. Uh, of, of twitch who's your favorite unknown streamer oh um that's, that's a really hard one thing I, I i watch a lot of kind of the smaller poker stars guys now but i did i did used to watch um 
I can't remember the names are so bad. That's how that that's how unknown they are. I, I I like to just go through the directory sometimes, but I end up watching like Op Poker. I end up watching Pie Face. I just go into little channels sometimes as well. Cool. And uh, what are you studying at school? Uh, economics and maths. Yeah. Economics and maths. And what do you want to do with that later? Any idea? Um, I'm not sure at the moment. Potentially going into teaching. Uh, I spent the last year um, on like a placement, so I was I was in schools doing a bit of teaching and stuff. So I actually haven't haven't even been a student for a year. So it's a bit weird to be going back soon. Um, but yeah, well, uh, I'm going to try and work it out after I finish my final year. Any crazy stories from your placement teaching? <laughs> um, it was it was a bit of a rough school that I was a placement um, intern in, but um, so you, you got you got all sorts of students there. Nothing nothing too insane happened. Um, the the only really crazy thing was that when I um, I was on my first like trip as a teacher and I was looking after all these kids and you know that I'm not much older than them really, and um, <laughs> and then I I got on the train to go all the way up to York from 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 Guildford and the teacher in charge was left behind the platform with the rest of the kids ah. and suddenly I, I had to look after all these kids on this trip to york on my own where i just started this job a few weeks ago so that was a bit uh, <laughs> that was a bit, of a, a bit of a rough start did, <laughs> but yeah did they take the piss or were you able to uh well to keep luckily, them under control no no they were they were completely fine we actually started taking the piss out of the uh, the teacher who was left behind because uh, they were they they, they 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 wouldn't spend the rest of the trip with me because apparently I, I knew where to go and she didn't <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I, I know Guildford relatively well, Ben, because I worked there 22 years ago. It does have a church that was featured in the 1976 movie The Omen, but last time I checked, it did not have any casinos. What's it the live no. po poker scene like down like in deep, darkest Surrey? Yeah, um, live poker in Guildford is pretty much pub poker if you want to play it. Um, and besides that, you've got to go to London, which I, I do do quite regularly, take trips to um, Aspers. Um, but but yeah, I I play regularly in the pub poker as well. It's it's very very good in Guildford for that. Actually, you can um if you want to, you can play like four or five days a week in pubs. So it's actually it's quite good for pub poker. Um, will you be know. at Aspers for Lex Live? I will. I will. Um, I'm really really excited for that. Obviously, I was at the uh, I was at the first one in the Moor, and that was that was amazing. I know the second one's going to be even better. Uh, are you, either of you two making an appearance? I will be making an appearance. I don't think Joe's going to be able to make it from the United yeah. States of America. We'll touch more on Next Live 2 um, towards the end of the show. One thing I wanted to say about Ben, this is how big a superfan Ben is, Joe. He volunteered to come on this show without a specialist subject and said, I will watch any movie that you guys want me to watch. And I think I snap called The Battle of Algiers, which was a joke, even though I would like Joe to watch it at some point because I bought it for a fucking DVD. Um, but, it did fit in perfectly with what we were doing this week with one of our Movie Mondays on a Wednesday, reviewing The Grand. Um, is this a movie you'd come across before, Ben? Or like us, were you forced to watch it because of this segment? Yeah, I'd, um, I'd never heard of it before until you mentioned it. I was a bit worried when you mentioned the uh, the Battle of Algiers or whatever it was. I was a bit worried when you first said that. I wasn't sure if you were joking. But yeah, The, uh, um, the Grand... I've never heard of it before, but I have. I've watched it a couple of times now since since we uh, since we organised this. So um, I'm looking well, forward you to must it. have liked it then if you watched it more than once, or do you just really want to win that badly? <laughs> well, I, I that is part of it. I do really want to beat you, Joe. But um, but it was a good movie. It was quite funny. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I got some of my mates around to watch it one time. So that was fun as well. Well, a fourth person was forced to watch this film, that person being Patrick the Intern, who has constructed his 10 multiple-choice question quiz. Ben, you know the format, you know the rules. All I need from you to get things started is a number between 1 and 10. 
Uh, it's always coming seven. Okay, we are playing for a piece of PokerStars merchandise and a 55 euro ticket, satellite ticket for EPT Prague. Uh, question number seven. How did Steve Lavish lose his hearing? Ooh. Um, I'm going to need the choices on this one. Was it from blowing up a hotel, being hit by his father, wrestling a crocodile, or a jellyfish sting? It was a jellyfish sting. It was a man of war off the coast of Portugal. And yes, that's worth one point. A Portuguese <laughs> man of war. Nasty. Uh, Joe, <laughs> questions one through ten bar seven. Uh, let's start off with my lucky number nine. Lucky number nine. You should be able to get two points on this one. Who plays Laney and Larry's dad? Laney and Larry's dad is played by my poker commentator dad. Gabe Kaplan. Correct, for two points. <laughs> Joe takes an early lead, but there's a long it's way to go. Uh, Bear, this is the problem, Ben. You are doing a movie that Joe has watched within the last 24 hours. I His know, memory isn't I know. good, but it's not that bad. Uh, seven and nine have gone. Uh, number one, please. How many times does Jack say he's been married? 74. Correct, for two points. Joe? Yeah, buddy. Let's go with... <laughs> Let's see, 74, so I'll take four. Number four, what subject does Andy Andrews teach at school? He's a math teacher. He is for two points. And we come to round number three. Ben, you can have This is going to be haymakers, just back and forth. <laughs> bop, bop, I love bop. it. Two, three, five, six, eight, or ten? Uh, two, please. What is the name of Jack's grandfather? Uh, his name is Lucky. Lucky for two points. <laughs> I felt this is going to be a close one. <laughs> Joe, your next question. Uh, question number three. Who is Harold Melvin playing against the first time we see him? Who is Harold Melvin playing against the first time we see him? Okay, so Harold Melvin is the online poker player. I actually don't remember. I'll need the choices. Is it... Doyle, Tex, Brunson, Phil Helmuth, Phil Luck, or Daniel Negreanu? Uh, can I have the choices again? Sorry. Brunson, Helmuth, Luck, Negreanu. Okay, Brunson and Helmuth are at the table together. Is it Phil Luck? It was Daniel Negreanu. Ah. His brief appearance a... in the movie. Uh, yeah. Which means, Ben, you have the advantage. Five points to four going into the penultimate round. Five, six, eight, and ten still available. Uh, can I get number eight, please? You can. What is the winning hand, the winning hole cards in the grand? Do I need the suits? No. Nope. Just... No. Um, ace five off. It is ace five off, which we thought was kind of a glitch in the matrix, considering that was Ramon's winning hand yeah. in the PSPC, and we just had that huge promotion to win a hand with Ace-5 to potentially win a Platinum Pass. Uh, anywho, five, six, or ten, Joe? Five, please. What is the name of Mike Werby's best-selling book? Oh, man, the winners. winners win I need the choices. Is it Winning is Winning, How to Succeed, Success for Losers, or I'm Better Than You. Winning is winning. Correct for one point, which brings us to the final round. You can have question six or you can have question ten. 
Uh, let's go for question number 10, please. Who directed the movie? Oh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head now. Um, I'm getting the choices on this one. Is it Douglas Tirola, John Dahl, Zach Penn, or Curtis Hansen? Um, I think it's Zach Penn. It is for one point, and Joe, you get question number six. Who cheated by giving themselves the Ace of Diamonds against Jack Farrow? I obviously know the scene, but I don't know. Do we know the character's real name? No, just how the character is referred to in the film. The German. The German for two points. It was incredibly close. Ben, eight points. Joe, seven points. So Ben, by one Ooh. single point, you get across the line and you win this game of Superfan versus Stapes, which means we are going to be able to give you that EPT Prague satellite ticket because satellites are starting soon. You might have to wait, wait a couple of weeks for that ticket, but you will be receiving it soon. Plus, you can have a Pokestars ice tray, water bottle, or T-shirt. Your preference, please. Um, a T-shirt, please. You may have the T-shirt. Very soon we're going to run out of T-shirts, and basically people are going to be choosing between the ice tray and the water bottle. But for now, you can still have a nice camo-coloured T-shirt. Ben, thank you thank very you much very for much. coming on the show. Congratulations, and look forward to meeting you in the flesh very soon. Thank you, guys. It's been a really good experience today, and have a, rest of, a good rest of the day. Nice work, Ben. <laughs> Ben, hey, ben, ben left me on the platform. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one. <laughs> All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Next week, it is W Coop recap time. W Coop will be all but finished. We'll be having multiple bracelet winner. Only one so far this year, though. <laughs> Benny Glazer will be on the show. And how good are we? Because we booked Benny before his W Coop win. He had a lot of success during Scoop. So he thought, okay, here's a guy with some online pedigree. He'll be good for our W Coop recap. And he's crushing it again. I honestly think he willed it to happen. Like he's like, well, I'm going to be on the show to talk about W Coop. Better win a W Coop event. Uh, in the meantime, you can check out all of the W Coop updates on the Poker Stars blog. We'll be covering all of the facts, figures, stats, winners from W Coop next week. Uh, what is the Superfan subject next week? Uh, as I teased last week, it's the original version, the 1960 version of the Magnificent Seven. I watched that not too long ago. Really? I want to say it in the last year or two. Yeah. I don't know if I'll have time to get to it again. I'll try my best because it is obviously better, and I do tend to do pretty well when I rewatch the movie ahead of time. Now, a PSA about the following week because we're yeah. on the lookout for a super fan. Because so, week after next, the podcast, or at least half of it, will be live at Lex Live 2, i.e., it's going to be recorded on location. Live, live to tape. At Asper's in London. Uh, Lex is going to be our guest, even though I haven't spoken to him about it yet. And we are looking for someone. <laughs> who is planning to be at the event on Wednesday, the 2nd of October, to be our Lex Veldhaus superfan. Now, there's a lot of stuff I haven't figured out yet. So we're still going to be doing the show via Skype with Joe in LA, but I will be at Asper's. I'm going to be there for a lot of Lex Live 2. Actually, I'm going to be playing, going to be commentating on the live stream, doing the podcast there. And as part of that, we want a Lex Veldhaus superfan. Do you know everything there is to know about Lexington Veldhaus, the king of Twitch, the Mr. Disaster 
of poker on Twitch. Because if you do, you should apply to be on the show. Hashtag poker in the ears. But remember, because we're recording it at Aspers, we need you to be there as well. So if you're planning on attending Lex Live, want to hear from you. Hashtag poker in the ears. Other than that, we've got super fans booked up for the next few weeks. But this is going to be a very special edition of the show. It's going to be a shame not to have you there as well, Joe. But we'll find some way of making it work. All right, looking forward to it. Use that hashtag poker in the ears if you want to be a super fan, if you want to weigh in on the grand. Let us know how much you enjoyed Andrew Hill Newman. Until next time, subscribe, like, comment, drop us some stars, drop us a comment, drop us a thumbs up. For now, we are all out of time. Until next time, for James Harding and I am Joe Stapleton, smell you later. Later.